and he's only gotten better in the last two months. He is that slugger the Mets want and need, and they have. Uh, and like I said, it's four more games remaining in September. We'll have a fun weekend in Atlanta, October, and we'll see what happens. Now, in 2019, Pete established an MLB rookie record with 53 homers. He had 16 in last year's 60-game sprint, which basically would have resulted in a 43-homer pace for a full season. But he wasn't happy with his drop in average on-base percentage and slugging. This season, he was more focused on swinging at strikes, a commitment he believes he largely adhered to despite a chase rate of 30.7%, which ranks only in the 24th percentile among MLB players, according to StatCast. And yeah, that was one of my beefs with PDAD. He was swinging at too many bad pitches, especially low and outside. But uh, I think... He's disciplined to work on that, just like he's been disciplined enough to improve his game at first base defensively. So the bottom line is his strikeouts have been down. Uh, strikeout rate is a little high, uh, but there was a tremendous jump in his development in that aspect. And I, you have to feel that he's swinging at a lot of quality pitches and been watching the Mets for the last couple weeks or so. And he's hitting the ball hard, and that's what Lonzo's all about hitting the ball hard. When he hits the ball hard, everything else falls into place. Uh, now, of course, Brandon Nemo, I think if he would have played a full season, would have given Pete a good run for his money as far as uh, Matt Offensive MVP. Uh, he brought consistency when he stayed on the field, but he did miss two and a half months with separate stints on the injured list. Now, Francisco Lindor, Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil, and Dominic Smith Head the list, unfortunately, of all the underachievers this year. And let's be honest, that's the reason why we're not even sniffing the playoffs this year. And that really sank the Mets offensively. Uh, but Pete, a lot of pressure on him after his rookie year of 53 homers, but he's risen to the occasion. No one can hit 53 homers every year, especially when the pitchers get used to you after a while. Uh, but believe it or not, I think he's going to get better as a hitter as time goes on. And he's only 26 years old. The future is bright for Pete Alonso. And uh, the fact that he's doing everything he can to avoid these swoons says a lot about Pete and his character. Uh, he does take pride in being consistent, and you can see it all the time. He's really happy to be a man, and he's happy to be the leader. And uh, that's one of the things I'm going to miss when we come to the end of this season. The fact that Pete won't be around anymore, won't be able to watch him now until next spring, and that kind of sucks. But it is what it is. But the good thing is we'll be watching him hopefully for many more years to come. Now, the one thing the Mets do have to address, and I fit them in a the category of a lot of teams who spent the big bucks and just didn't make it happen this year, like the Padres are a perfect example, uh, and the Twins – when they gave out guaranteed contracts. Uh, but the Lindor and Tatis, when they uh, doled out the big bucks, they committed to these guys. Now, my thing is you just don't want to spend money foolishly and every free agent that comes along just start doling out the money. I think Baez you have to sign just due to the fact I think he – you give up a number one a pick in the draft at number four overall in the MLB draft and Pete Crow Armstrong. You don't want Baez as a rental, so we got to commit to him, and Steve has my blessings on signing him without a doubt. But you know when the market opens up, uh, Steve Cohen's going to want to show to the fans that he has no 
uh, problem throwing money at pointers, but you don't want to commit, throw all your money into guys on, based on past performers. You do want to build up in the farm system. And, uh, you know, I can't tell Steve Cohen what to do, but this is an underlying issue that Mets have to deal with first, or else they'll just be throwing good money after bad, regardless of the last name and personal wealth of the owner. Uh, the Mets have to figure out why are they are the most disappointing team, and not just the 2021. And that has gone on for a while right now. So when you get these guys like Conforto, is it really worth it to throw money his way, except for maybe a qualifying offer? When he has really, let's face it, he's stuck up the joint. He's not even an average outfielder this year. So is he worth the big money he's going to be asking? <clears throat> you don't want to take that gamble when you can actually – like I said, continue to develop your farm system and bring up the younger and hungrier players. But I guess the full appraisal on Mets can't be fully completed until new baseball operations is hired. Uh, Self-examination, I think, is on the way. It should be on the way. Uh, why this team underperformed its talents or maybe misjudged it. There has been a level of responsibility and accountability here, an inward look that is merciless and honest. Because to be around the Mets for a while is too often to see an organization that believes its problems are external. Fans, reporters, it seems like they're always making excuses. Uh, club officials from other teams. And the bottom line is, like, Bill Parcells was one of the more blunt coaches slash managers in any sport when he's coaching football. He always said, you are what your record says you are. And I'm a firm believer in that. Everyone say the Mets had a great year. You know, they're optimistic fans. You can't be negative. But the bottom line is your record says what you were. And uh, the one differential even says we were even worse than we were. So let's not paint a rosy picture. This was a bad season for the Mets. And uh, they forged a culture in which they persistently believe they are better than the record. And you can't keep drinking the Kool-Aid. You are what you are, like Bill Parcell says. And uh, so when the fans boo and uh, Baez and Lindor react the way they do, it's because they believe they're better than they are. Well, you know what? You prove that on the field. And the reason why they aren't booing is the fact that you're not performing. I hate to say it, but I don't boo, but fans have a right to boo if they can see with their own eyes that the Mets aren't performing. Now, the Mets last made the playoffs in 2016 for an old guy like me, it seems like yesterday. But that's a long time ago. And only six teams have gone longer than the Mets have in making the playoffs. And like many of those six teams, the Mets have not been in rebuild, rebuild mode at any point since. So it's not like they tore down the team. They've been trying to win. It just isn't working. And they've been trying to get back to October. And yet just once in these past five years have they ever finished over 500. In the last three years in particular, they have pushed chips in and had assets. I mean, look at the year that DeGrom had in 2019. He was the best pitcher in the world. We had Pete Alonso in a historic rookie season. Jeff McNeil proved 2018 was no fluke by becoming an all-star. And four starters defied expectations to make at least 30 starts each. In 2020, Jake was still the best pitcher in the world. McNeil, Robinson, Cano, Conforto, and Smith gave them as arguably the best group of lefty hitters in the sport last year. Even though it was a short year, they were smacking the ball. Edwin Diaz rebounded from a poor New York debut season. Currently, 8 of 15 L teams made the expanded playoffs. But guess what? The Mets didn't. So there's something missing in building a big team overall picture. And even this year, we had highlights. Stroman pitched like an ace and Hoop like a dominant reliever. 
Baez, after his acquisition, and uh, most important, the division was horrible with no team winning 90 games and the likely NL East jam losing its best player, Ronald Acuna Jr., in early July, and the Mets still couldn't do anything. It feels impossible that the Mets would miss the playoffs in every one of those seasons and finish with a losing record in two of them. One of the losing records is occurring this year after the Mets spent 103 days in first place, making the most days, and this is nothing to be proud about, folks, making the most days in MLB history. A team has been in first and finished with a losing season. Now, before you start talking about injury and underperformance, understand that every team copes with injury and underperformance. So we can't keep making that as an excuse. We may have a few more injuries at times than other teams, but every team goes through this. Every You look at any team that goes through it. I mean, the Dodgers lost Bauer. They went right down the line with guys being hurt. Kershaw. There's no excuse. It's why the annual course of players and team officials crying about overcoming adversity is so misplaced. Every team has adversity. It's not unique to one. And Met fans and Met management have to face that fact. It is not unique to the Mets, nor is booing by the home fans. Fans will boo if the product is bad. They're paying, especially New York fans, they're paying big money. And I don't understand, oh, we need to support the team. We need to support. You don't need to support the team. You're paying for that team out there. That's your money, and that's what they're putting out there. You deserve a better product. Again, everyone's choice. You could say what you want, but this team, it's laundry. If they're not going to put out the product for you, you think they care whether or not you care about them? No, they're there for a paycheck. The bottom line is I hate to be blunt about this, but it's the truth. And as far as critical media coverage, when teams fall behind expectations, now the Mets almost every year have an over 90 win mark expectation. And, uh, you know, they screw up, uh, failing to sign a first-round first, first round pick like Rocker. It just it boggles the mind that they didn't even have enough information to sign Rocker on. Now, if Cohen is trying to sell dubious candidates for president of baseball operations, they, the way to do so is to point out the untapped potential. The Mets should be a behemoth. There's no more excuses. The Cohen era is the first year. It wasn't the year we thought. It's got to get better. And I think even Steve had real, realistic expectations like it'll be year three and by five years we'll be champions. The Mets have a, one of the best ballparks in baseball. I go to it all the time. And I've gone to other parks after being in City Field, and I'm disappointed. The only park around here that I, I give credit to is uh, Phillies and uh, Baltimore's. The rest are all hype. City is a beautiful ballpark. They have a great fan base. Sure, we wear our heart on our sleeves, but you know what? That means we care. And we have Cohen's wallet. It's time he spends. You know, it's not a cheap. Yankees are ridiculously expensive. Let's put it that way. But the Mets aren't a cheap trip to the ballpark either. And if they have a chance and if the right person comes on to change the culture, negativity, and buck passing, the Mets have to do it. But let's not do it in the free agent market hastily. Let's make sure we have the right people making the right decisions, and I think things will work out for us in that regard. Uh, I got a lot off my chest there, didn't I? But let's face it, the Mets' downfall began once the Subway Series with the Yankees was over. Hey, we crowned ourselves Subway, champion, Subway Series champions in 2021. Woohoo! Now they've won two or three against the Yankees. Uh, this month, so they finished 4-2 and two against their crosstown rivals. 
unfortunately for the Yankees, that may have been the downfall if they don't make the playoffs because the Mets didn't do too well against the Red Sox. But since they played well against the Yankees this past month, the Mets have fallen into oblivion. There were four straight losses against the Cardinals that basically ended. The Cardinals were a team we had to beat, and the Cardinals after the Mets just kept on rolling and rolling and rolling. There was no chance. That realistically ended their postseason chances, followed by two losses and three games against the Phillies, which which we more or less had to win. Then we had a five-game winless stretch through Boston, Milwaukee. All told, it's a one in ten stretch as they head into their final home series this season, beginning with Tuesday's doubleheader against Miami. So this is almost bad as against the thirteen-game stretch we had against the Giants, if not worse. Nothing's been working out for us. And what's the common bond here? We're not beating good teams. We are not. In every single area, it's been inconsistency offensively, defensively, pitching-wise. The game has been trending down and down and down for the Mets this year. They face good teams, but continuing committing three errors has been typical of a typical Met game these days. Just mental lapses defensively. And when you give the team more outs than they should get by making errors in the field, it's a tough road to hoe. People underestimate defense. The Mets were doing well defensively in the beginning of the year. Now, it doesn't help that the Mets are finished, 73-82, are finished playing for another tangible. They won't even play for 500 anymore. They're eliminated from the postseason race on Saturday. And we're guaranteed a fourth losing season in five years. But the Mets certainly won't mind facing an inferior opponent after five straight teams that might qualify to the postseason. Bring on the Marlins. Even so, the Mets lost two or three games against these Marlins in Miami before facing the Yankees. Now, Rojas, whose contract expires after the season, was asked about his concern that the team's sloppy performances last week lately reflect badly on the field staff. And Rojas, of course, you know, he has to sidestep, and I don't blame him. He says he can't start thinking about how our baseball is going to look forward to the end, toward the end, because it's going to make uh, the field staff look bad or sloppy. That's not it. I want these guys to finish playing their best baseball. That's what everybody here is going to take into the offseason, work on some things. I know we're off the hunt, but everybody here has got to finish playing strong and end on a positive note. And I agree with Willie. The games aren't going to mean anything, but you got to go out there and you got to try your best no matter what. So I'm looking forward to the games. Uh, it's been a hell of a disappointing year. And for me personally, when we were in first place for that long, this has been a major disappointment. Uh, this one hurts almost as like 2008 to me, 2007. 2008 was painful because it came down to the last game of the season. Uh, this one was even more painful because we just totally collapsed. And I know there's a lot of people out there. I see other Facebook groups. Oh, you've got to stay positive. No, you don't. This team sucks. The bottom line, I'm the most optimistic Net fan this is. But you got to call the, the uh, uh, I'm steamed right now, the kettle black and the pot black. Because if that's what they are, that's what they are. And this team just was not good this year. Uh, but the one thing we can look forward to this week, besides our Metropolitan, is with seven games left in their season, the Mets are mathematically eliminated from playoff contention and have nothing to play for but pride. But as of the last week of the season unfolds, there is something of high importance that is still unresolved. What is it you're saying? Stan, let us know. Well, because the Mets failed to sign Kumar Rocker after drafting him in the first round of 2021 MLB draft, they received compensation pick at number 11 in the 2022 draft. That compensation is protected no matter what. But the other 
2022 first round pick will only be protected if it's in the top 10. And entering on September 27th, the Mets' other pick would be number 12. If that pick remains outside the top 10, the Mets would surrender it in the event they sign a free agent this season who is tied to a qualifying offer. With Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Robert Ray, and others expected to fall into that category. That means the Mets should be rooting for teams to find them in the draft order to win in bunches over the final week of the season. Now, the Mets 73-82 are 2.02 games clear of both the Colorado Rockies and the Royals, who are holding the number nine pick and the Rockies holding the 10 pick. And they are half game ahead of the Angels for uh, number 13, who have number 13. Now, New York is 4.5 games better than the Twins and in position for the number eight pick. So passing them is highly unlikely. Meanwhile, the Mets could theoretically fall as low as number 16 pick. That would take lots of winning by them and lots of losing by the Padres in position for that pick at 78-78. The Mets' odds on finishing somewhere between the number 9 number 14 pick uh, seem realistic. The number 9 and 10 are going to be tough. We'll see what happens. I never, ever want to see the Mets lose intentionally. So I'm just throwing that out there knowing that this could be one of the results of what's going on. Food for thought, folks. Food for thought. Now, it's as we always do on these uh, YouTube cast podcasts, we look back into this date in Met history. Oh, and by the way, we're going to be doing these on a daily basis during the offseason. Uh, there's so much to talk. I've written notes on past games of Met history, players and everything, that this is going to be your place to be. You'll still get your trivia. You'll still get your Jeopardy. And we can optimistically look forward to the first part of the year. And like we do, we will be doing in a few weeks. Let's go back on this date in Met history. This date, September 28, 2019. And uh, we're dedicating this episode basically to the polar bear. Yes, the polar bear. Uh, what good memories he's given us this year. Now, on this evening, next to the last game in the 2019 season for the New York Mets, history was made. Pete Alonso will forever be in the record books by setting the record for most homers by a rookie, 53. The Mets were hosting the division-winning Atlanta Braves on this night. It was a big crowd, 32,210, and they were there to support Pete Alonso and hoping to see the record set. Now, the Mets were having a good year in 2019. Not bad. Don't you wish we had this one this year, 84 and 76? We'd be fighting for pennant this year. Well, here's the lineup for the Braves that night. Dansby Swanson, shortstop, leading off. Ozzy Albee, second base, batting second. Freddie Freeman, first base, batting third. Josh Donaldson, third base, batting fourth. Nick Markakis, right field, batting fifth. Adam Duval, left field, batting sixth. Ryan McCann, catching, batting seventh. Billy Hamilton, center field, batting eighth. Mike Fultonavich, pitcher, batting ninth. For the Metropolitans, Brandon Nimmo, center field, leading off. Pete Alonso, first base, batting second. Robbie Cano, batting third at second base. Michael Conforto, right field, batting fourth. J.D. Davis, left field, batting fifth. Ahmad Rosario, batting sixth, playing shortstop. Todd Frazier, batting seventh third base. Rene Rivera batting eighth, catching. And Steven Matz pitching, batting ninth. Now, Steven Matz, I love Steven Matz. I love any lefty who's crafty. And Matz was a good pitcher for us. He was 10-10, and 10 and he took the mound against Mike Fulton-Navich. All the scoring came in the third inning. The Todd father. Yes, Todd Frazier single. Rene Rivera hit a two-run homer his first of the year. 
Then Pete Alonso followed with his record 53rd homer in a season. Pete carried the base bat up the baseline as he slowly walked and watched the ball sail over the right center field wall. The fans gave him a huge standing ovation as he rounded the bases, raising, raising his arms and acknowledging them. He reached home plate and was greeted by his teammates on his way back into the dugout. He waved his arms back to the fans and gave a laugh of relief. As he came back onto the field, the fans gave him a standing ovation again. That lasted what seemed like a lifetime. Pete took the emotions in and lost it as he broke down. Quite a night for the young rookie. Now, Pete's mother and father were in attendance, along with his fiance Haley Walsh. They all got emotional and broke down in tears as well. His mother, Michelle, keeps her father's ashes in a locket she keeps with her. He always told Pete to keep swinging no matter what. Now, Pete even said it was surreal, almost like an out-of-body experience. Unbelievable moment. This is more than a dream. This is more than a fantasy. I can't put it into words. Now, the Mets went on to win 3 nothing as Mets, Mets won six shutout innings, allowing just two hits with seven strikeouts, although he walked five. Jerry's familiar, Brad Brock, and Edwin Diaz all picked scoreless innings. Diaz collected a 26 save. Now, if the Mets could win the next couple games, they would finish 10 games over 500, did they? Stay tuned. We'll tell you what happened in a few days. Uh, but yeah, that was a great. I was at that game, and uh, a Facebook user said he shook in the event last night at Coney Island. And by the way, that was a great thing that Pete did. So I'm not sure who the user is. You can always feel free. Unfortunately, when you put a comment in on Facebook, it just has Facebook users. So feel free to always use your name when you're posting. So I apologize. I don't know who it was, but that was quite a night that Pete put on. And you can tell he gives back to the lots of the community. He does a lot of things on off days all over the metropolitan area. And you just got to love Pete Alonzo for that. Uh, now, what else happened on this day in Met history? I'm glad you're asking. Oh, am I glad you're asking. On this day in 1962, in front of only 595 Fans at Wrigley Field, the Cubs 58-101 beat the Mets 39-118 in the first meeting. Major League history between two 100-loss teams before the series begins. The New York expansion team will split the remaining two games in Chicago to finish the season 40-1-20, establishing the record for most losses in baseball's modern era. Not something to be proud about, but we report all the history here in our New York Mets Way of Life broadcast. Now, this date on 1969, better news indeed. In route to the Mets' eighth consecutive victory, Gary Gentry, Nolan Ryan, and Ron Taylor combined to blank the Phillies at Connie Mack Stadium, two to nothing. The shutout contributes to the team setting a franchise mark of 42 scoreless innings. Boy, that 69 team could pitch. And how about this night, 1979, in a twin bell at Bush Stadium? Nothing that affected, but this was quite a feat as Cardinal infielder Gary Templeton collects three hits against the Mets to become the first player to get 100 hits from each side of the plate. The St. Louis shortstop bats just right-handed during the last nine games to establish the unprecedented switch hitting mark. So in a way he cheated, and he got he batted right the rest of the way, hey, but he still got the record, right? Now this was a sad day for me in particular. On this day in 2008, the Mets played their final game at Chase Stadium with 4 2 losses to Marlins. And at this point, the sellout crowd failing to qualify for the postseason on the season's last day for the second consecutive year. But after the contest, we wiped away all the tears 
And it was a great moment as former Mets, including Hall of Famers, Willie Mays, Yogi Berra, Tom Seaver, as well as Darryl Strawberry, Dwight Goody, and Mike Piazza. But not any of the club's current players took part in the ceremony to celebrate the history of the 45-year-old ballpark in front of the subdued spectators gathered to say goodbye. It was a moment I'll never forget. So, you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to say happy birthdays to some folks. Yes, there are Met birthdays today. Dick Gerner, Director of Player Development from 78 to 80, is having a birthday today. And God bless Dick, he turns 93 years old today. Not bad at all. Many more healthy years, Dick. Uh, happy birthday to Ron Reynolds. Remember Ronnie? He was a catcher for us, uh, all told three years. He played 54 games. Not much with the stick. Uh, he batted 195. He was drafted by the Mets. Then the Mets traded him to the Phillies with Jeff Bittiger in exchange for Ronnie Gideon and Roger Cole. You're a super Mets fan if you remember those names. And happy birthday to Mike DeGene. Uh, Pitched with us in 2004 and 5, 45 games, 4.21 ERA. Uh, didn't start, just a reliever, not a closer. And uh, he wore number 35, and it's his birthday. So let's wish Mike a very, very happy birthday. And happy birthday to Carlos Diaz. He was with us from 82 and 83, and we got him. From the Braves in exchange for Tom Hausman on September 10th, 1982. In 82, he pitched four games for us. And he got a lot of work for us in 83 with 54 games pitching. And pitched well, 2.50, 2.05 ERA with two saves. But then he was traded to Dodgers with Bob Baylor in exchange for Sid Fernandez and Ross Jones. Definitely one of the better Met trades of all time. Love that trade. And I'm sure you do too. So those are some of the birthdays that we uh, celebrated. Uh, always good to remember these guys. I'm sorry, Carlos Diaz actually passed away. I'm sorry, Carlos Diaz passed away on this day, unfortunately. And he he was only 57 years old. My apologies, uh, Carlos passed away on this day. Gotta look at my notes more clearly next time. You don't want to be making those mistakes. Uh, what's going on in the group? Well, I did mention that the Mets announced their annual minor league awards, and Francisco Alvarez is their position player of the year, and Adam Olaire, their pitcher of the year. I mentioned that Mark Vientos has been lining it up in the minor leagues. In his last 53 games, he's batting 325, 402 on base percentage, 670 uh, OPS. Uh, not bad, 11 doubles, 19 homers, and 44 RBIs. Uh, the last five pitchers I mentioned to post back-to-back -back season with 32 starts and an ERA on the 3.25. Well, two of them are Mets. Jacob DeGrom in 18 and 19 and Stroman in 19 and 21. Uh, then I asked, who would you pick if Rojas isn't brought back as manager? Who would you bring back as manager? Kilray Van Wanner Beaumont. What a name that is. I love it. I chose Ron Garden hire. And Ron Davis uh, said it won't be easy. He retired due to health reasons and doesn't see him come out of retirement. And uh, we'll see what happens there. He's a good baseball man, so you never know. Uh, but that's, like I said, we always have good stuff in the group. And if you're not a member, please do join.
Uh, if you ever need to reach me, I'm at philstan41 at gmail.com. If you're not a subscriber to this podcast, please do subscribe. Uh, you'll be notified by wherever you listen to your podcast when a new one is up and you have archives of all our shows there. If you're a YouTube watcher, watch this on YouTube. Please subscribe and like. And same thing, you'll be updated every time one is posted. And if you're not a group member in New York Mets Baseball Way of Life and you are a Facebook member, please do subscribe. Look for us on Facebook, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. Uh, you'll be glad you did. Now, what do we do? We go back and we do our Met trivia and Met Jeopardy of the day like we always do. Just another day in the office, folks. Just another day in the office. And who is ready for that? Okay. I see a raise of hands, and that's always a good thing. Uh, here is the Met trivia question of the day. Well, first, let's give you the Jeopardy question. Uh, who is the two clues, I should say, on April 26, 2012, was recalled to the New York Mets to replace Robert Carson on the roster and Mike Pelfrey in the rotation. Second clue is after taking off waivers by the Blue Jays in 2012, pitch for Toronto, Cleveland, and the Yankees were claimed by the Mets on July 5th. But on July 10th, he was outrided off the 40-man roster. Now, here's today's trivia question. In 1999, Buddy Harrelson appeared on a famous TV sitcom. What was it? Give you guys a couple of minutes to think this over and uh, see if you can get it. You guys are usually good at this. We'll see if you nail it this time. I got confidence in you.
Uh, that's going to wrap things up again. We'll be back tomorrow with hopefully a double happy recap as the uh, Mets come into it and uh, start doing what they got to do. And uh, we'll take it from there. So have a great day, folks, and we will talk real soon. Thank you very much. Oh,